Thank you for joining me today, Jessica. Yes, I'm happy to be here, always. I'm excited we are starting the first episode of the new series for the Seven Mountains. Thank you everyone for joining us for this episode of The Faith Corner. We will be interviewing guests from each of the Seven Mountains in order to bring exposure and ultimately bring reform. We will be giving practical advice and steps that we can take as Christians so that we can reclaim all seven mountains for the glory, for the kingdom of God. I have on my show today, Jessica Aguilar, pastor ordained, and she has some very cool stories to share with us regarding reform for the prison ministry. It is something that uh, more Christians need to need to look at to get into because we aren't just evangelizing the lost on the streets. We are also looking at those who have made who've made certain choices in their life, but God sees them. He has not forgotten them. Redemption and grace is for everyone. Pastor Jessica, would you like to tell me, tell the audience more about yourself? Okay, well, um, well, I'm trained as a therapist. I just finished my master's degree in social work from USC, and then I have my um, bachelor's from, in behavioral psychology from University of the Pacific, and then I have an um, allied health degree also. So, um, so I have a background in health. Um, so I'm coming from that um, vantage point, and um, and also like um, I'm trained as a therapist, but I'm doing life coaching right now. I'm also a church planter mm. in California, which um, I love. But um, I think my favorite identity is just being a daughter of the Most High King, and um, favorite identity. Second favorite is being a mother, and um, you know, and then everything comes after that. But um, kind of me in a nutshell. Oh, that's awesome. I can see how like God's been leading you with uh, the different skill sets that you have because they all they all pertain to the pastoral, whether it's counseling. And you know, I, I, I believe you have mentioned before, you're a veteran too, aren't you? Oh, yes. Um, I was in the Air Force, Security Forces. And um, so, so yeah, and I've actually counseled veterans for since about 2017. And so um, that is a population I love to work with. I usually work with adults, but um, everywhere I go, kids are drawn to me. But like, as far as like in um, life coaching sessions, I usually work with adults, but yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. Um, and you know, at the end of the episode, we're gonna be dropping your link because Jessica offers life coaching for those of you who are interested. We'll, we'll get you on that. <laughs> Yeah, so tell me, um, so recently you've gotten to receive training from Katie Souza, who I hear has been doing a lot of prison ministry in, in her life. Well, first of all, she's amazing. I believe she was in prison for like 20 years or something. So her story, just her own testimony is amazing. I personally love her because she's someone I look up to like as a spiritual mother and just basically like a mighty warrior. Um, for the Lord. And so I really look up to her. She also has amazing books written on um, prison ministry. And then also 
she has a lot of information on her YouTube channel. Um, so I really look up to her as far as ministry goes. And so, um, so yeah, I just started doing that training. We're gonna, um, I know we're going to the Missouri State Prison and the Mississippi State Prison. And so I'm super ex- like looking forward to those events. So yeah. That's awesome. Maybe we'll have to tag Katie Susan and put her YouTube on here. She's amazing. Um, her books are amazing. So if you know anyone who's incarcerated, her books would be amazing for anybody incarcerated, for sure. You know, yeah, her, her videos pop up on my YouTube channel a lot, whether it's like going after Leviathan or Nephilim spirits. I mean, whatever it is, you know. Yeah, and she doesn't like mince her words and she's, she's a tough lady. Like, mm-hmm. yes, I could t- totally see myself riding my Harley with her <laughs> for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And you know, also, I, I believe before the show, you also mentioned Dog the Bounty Hunter as well, right? Oh, yeah. So um, she's partnered, you know, because the best thing is in the body of Christ right now is unity. And so um, she's partnered with Dog the Bounty Hunter and his new new wife. Well, I want to say new because sometimes like if you watched him on the show, he his wife passed away. So he remarried a woman named Francine and she is amazing. And um, and one thing I'll say about Dog the Bounty Hunter is. Um, he's pretty consistent, so he, <laughs> he's consistently a live wire, and so, um, like, the ladies kind of, uh, like, Francine and Katie kind of say that, kind of joke about being his handlers or whatever, so, so, you know, uh, so if you've seen him on the show, that's pretty much how he acts, you know, and you're like, okay, well, um, but that's a beautiful thing about, um, unity is that, um, you know, the common goal of caring about incarcerated individuals can bring together different people, you know? And so spiritually, I more align with Katie Sousa than Dog the Bounty Hunter, because I can't be, I don't agree with everything he says, okay? <laughs> but it's okay, because we're all there for the same reasons. And, um, and, uh, and so, uh, <laughs> and I yeah. think, kind of says the same thing about dog like oh we we try to get him to behave you know we make him go sit over there or whatever but uh but i think he does actually have a heart for people you know in this situation but he is also coming from like the other side of it where he's actually going and hunting these people down and so it is a different um a different perspective that he's had as opposed to other people who've never been bounty hunter i guess so i've heard like even with the law enforcement part of it like he will ask god like you know different information and he'll he'll get it like supernaturally on like where to specifically find a person you know that he's you know currently gonna bring to justice yeah i think the thing about jesus followers is that we come in all shapes and sizes and we all have personalities and in, I mean, dog is one of the examples of being full of personality, you know? So just like, wow, you know? And yeah, does act just like on the show. Like, oh my gosh. I mean, it's different because like on the show, he has to 
do you like that entertainment value or whatever, but the personality is the same. Like, oh my gosh, here it comes, you know, just here it comes. <laughs> so. it, yeah, it's best when like we see personalities and they're the same authentically, you know, whether it's on the stage or off, you know. Yeah, and the good thing, um, Katie Souza has a very strong personality and she, and she lets everyone know that she's in charge. And so that kind of keeps, keeps it going on the right path, I would say. So, uh -huh. so <laughs> I think we're gonna go off the rails. It's pretty organized. The ministry is organized. And, um, and so they have a lot of experience doing this, but this is the first time where they've like recruited other volunteers to actually go and serve with them and so they've been handling like large prison um populations with just very short staff and it's gonna be uh, different to to have um us volunteers there with them so. yeah you know um i don't know if the training covered this but what is the the general condition with some of these prisons you know like I, I hear things from like, oh, they have lots of air conditioning and tax dollars wasted. But then I also hear the other side where it's like, oh, well, they're also treated. People aren't very, you know, well, what can you tell us maybe about that? Well, I think no situation is the same. Mm. And I've actually personally um, toured death row here in California. And um, let's see, San Quentin. So I toured um, San Quentin and that was, it's a very historical place. It was um, actually built about the same time as Alcatraz, so it's very old. But um, so I had a very good tour guide, and um, I mean, honestly, that tour changed my life. Mm. Just to be able to go there, um, Death Row is not running in California right now, but it's like just seeing like the words condemned and old English writing. And I saw like the old death row where they were and just meeting with the prisoners. And I was actually specifically going there that day to meet with the veteran prisoners, um, which I did. And um, so that's actually in San Rafael, California. And, um, but I see there's so much with the prison. I don't wanna, so it's like, with me, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, like obviously yeah, yeah. in order, okay. But there's so much injustice that it's like hard not to notice because yeah, yes. I have a problem of mass incarceration mm -hmm. and um, and it is about money. Mm. And we know from what the Bible tells us that the love of money is the root of all evil and they make money off of each prisoner that's incarcerated. So it's hard not to say that out loud when you know about it, you know? Mm -hmm. And there's like this state of the art hospital built at San Quentin, that prison, and um, it's never used. They have like all this big expensive hospital surgery rooms, but they, if the prisoner needs surgery, they fly them out somewhere else. And so there's all these weird things. Wow. Also this weird thing about like a prisoner can request to move somewhere else. And then they spend all this money to move the prisoner somewhere else. So there's just, all these weird things about money and yeah there's just a lot going on it's hard to talk about this one part of it but um but whatever you want to know i could talk about any part of it that you would like <laughs> oh you know we got our list of questions right here is there ha there is mistreatment of um of prisoners you know and there's 
some people who are humiliated, you know? And um, so, I mean, I don't want to say that there's no abuse because there is abuse and that, and there's injustice and that can, um, I think the thing with injustice is like, we have to be really careful with as Christians is like, there is injustice, but not to get bitter over it you know like really give it to the lord and say lord look what's happening and you know he sees it and just pour your heart out to the lord and let him seek vengeance and recompense on our behalf and um and then also to remember that um jesus was innocent and falsely accused also so we have a savior that understands the pain you know and the injustice of the situation so um so I think that kind of helps me knowing that we do have a savior who understands us, you know, who felt the human pain of being here with these man-made systems, so. Jesus went through the entire like trial and imprisonment and just all the so-called evidence against him that wasn't like, like, like all the sides were, were in on it when it came to what Jesus went through. But I think he, he set the example for how to handle it. Like when it, was it Peter who cut off the guard's ear when they came to collect Jesus? Mm. Peter who got kind of zealous and cut off the guard's ear and he, Jesus uh, got back on like, all right, healed. And, but he just willingly went. And I feel like that's a good standard for us as, you know, people in this world is to like, you know, we're supposed to follow the laws of the land and i do have um a scripture passage if you want me to read it it's uh romans 13 1 through 10 from the passion translation i don't know if you want to i like that one yeah trans passion i feel like it's a good um kind of anchor scripture for how to deal with injustice Hmm. for christians or how to because really we're citizens of heaven right but we're in this world right now. So how do we deal when we don't see heaven's court visibly on the, we don't see what we want to see mm-hmm. here on earth. And like, how do we deal with that? And I feel like it's a good um, way to deal with it. All right. All right. So, um, so it's titled, so it's Romans 13, one, and it talks about um, the title is our relationship to civil authorities. So it says, every person must submit to and support the authorities over him, for there can be no authority in the universe except by God's appointment, which means that every authority that exists has been instituted by God. So to resist authority is to resist the divine order of God, which results in severe consequences for civil authorities don't intimidate those who are doing good, but those who are doing evil. So do what is right and you'll never need to fear those in authority. They will commend you for your good citizenship. Those in authority are God's servants for the good of society. But if you break the law, you have reason to be alarmed for they are God's agents of punishment to bring criminals to justice. Why do you think they carry weapons? You are compelled to obey them, not just to avoid punishment, but because you want to live with a clean conscience. 
This is also the reason you pay your taxes, for wow. governmental authorities are God's officials who oversee these things. So it is your duty to pay taxes and fees that they require to respect those who are worthy of respect, honoring them accordingly. Don't owe anything to anyone except your outstanding debt to continually love one another for the one who learns to love has fulfilled the requirement of the law. For the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and every other commandment can be summed up in these words. Love and value others the same way you love and value yourself. And love makes it impossible to harm another. So love fulfills all that the law requires. So I love that. You know, it, it reminds me of Jesus again, because he, one thing he didn't do, he didn't curse the people who were accusing him or when he was before Pontius Pilate or the Pharisees, you know? So powerful because the nature of being deceived is that the person doesn't know what they're doing is wrong. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so that's literally what Jesus said, you know, when he was suffering is like, Father, forgive them because they know not what they do. Oh. And um, man, I just got holy goosebumps on that. But um, so it's like when we are persecuted, it doesn't have to mean, you know, that you've been falsely accused in the jail, but um, a lot of us have been, um, you know, because the accuser of the brethren is Satan himself, right? And so it's a, it's a spiritual thing when we're falsely accused, and um, and we're like our re reaction is like to defend ourselves, like of course I would never do that, or I would never say that, I would never, you know, steal or whatever you're being accused of. But it's like, um, but just remember, like going to the going to prayer that is when we hit our knees you know go like one thing that really helped me to kind of get rid of a lot of like bitterness and unforgiveness is journaling mm -hmm. like when i was tempted to like send a hot email or send a hot let somebody know what i think of them you know in the text yeah. you know this I'm gonna, how i really feel <laughs> you know what i learned to go to my journal and write like write a hot email in my journal and then, and then I'd look at it and be like, wow, that's really terrible. I'm glad I didn't send that. Out. And then exit out, make it shorter. And maybe, maybe at the end of it, maybe on draft five, I will never send it. But I got it out of me and, I, and me and the Lord dealt with it. You know, so sometimes there's these messages that you're never meant to send. Mm -hmm. Just have to deal with your feelings with the Lord. And, you know, God has emotions too. And, he, and he's the best one for us to deal with you know, all this junk that can happen with injustice, you know? Yeah, yeah I think um, something important with um, just the Reformation in general is uh, people who've been silent for a long time or that they've been silenced, they're coming out in droves and they're saying about what certain figures have done to them, the government, and even within the churches, like some some really uh, evil stuff been going on. Oh yeah, um, spiritual abuse is so, I wanna say was so common. Mm. And now I feel like there's more awareness of, of surrounding that subject. Mm. But yeah, it has been so common. And I mean, just looking back over history, there's someone that I really look up to, um, 
hold on, let me see her name again. Um, and she talks about, she is actually a psychologist and she talks about um, the injustice and um, like she talks about spiritual abuse among other things, but she's, um, let's see, her name is um, Dr. Diane Langberg and it's like L-A-N-G-B-E-R-G and she's amazing. Um, she's an older, um, an older lady who's been a psychologist for a very long time. I heard her talk at a um, counseling conference, um, oh. a Christian council, and she's just, oh my gosh, I was like, I want to be like her when I grow up. And um, yeah. because churches historically have been one of the places where the biggest abuses have happened for mankind. And, um, wow. and so like when I'm, I just realized it's two, two, two here in California, but no, that's a squirrel. Um, but what I think it's important for us. So wherever you are, like say you work at a police station, say you work in a jail or I work in a church or something like that. It's like, wherever we are, we are responsible. Like if we watch injustice or abuse happen and we do nothing and say nothing, we're responsible to God for our part. Like, even if you're not part of the abuse or injustice, like if you're just there and you're part of it, but you're not speaking up, like whether you work at a hospital or whatever the situation is, it's like, and like going back to what you said about the voice, our voice is our most powerful tool. Mm -hmm. And our voices literally change the atmosphere in different ways. Each one of voices. So every voice is important to project not only in worship and praise but also in speech like hey you know and we have issues like um we have hot issues like abortion we have hot issues like pedophilia and human trafficking and we need to stand like stand in truth wherever we are on whatever amount of influence we're at and um and and especially in our homes like it starts at home like we need to take authority and like take up the territory and room in our homes first and then you know gradually to our communities also well you know a nice action step people can take this is a certain movie coming out next week on july the 4th Ooh, what is it called again the sound of freedom the sound of freedom yes i think that is that it's played by the same actor who was uh, in The Passion of the Christ. Oh, wow. And it, the whole movie is about um, Tim Ballard's story about him, his life with with uh, fighting human trafficking. So it's it's gonna be in, in so many theaters everywhere. And the, the news media is already trying to label it as a right-wing thing even though it's literally about human trafficking. So it's like, no, this is not political. So people buying people buying those tickets, it sends a message to open it up for more theaters and get the word out. So they have a campaign, two million for two million, getting two million people in theaters for this and, and even beyond that. So um, using money to to speak up, that's that's a huge thing that we can do even next week, July the fourth. We're going to celebrate freedom and we're going to help rescue the children. Yeah. And it's also includes women too. Um, 
Another thing that I've noticed, well, I'm a California native too. So one thing that I've noticed is that a lot of people who have been groomed for pedophilia, um, a lot of times they will be targeted for human trafficking, like in their adult life. And um, so if you were like, it's almost like, um, I heard someone use the um, term um, female slave conditioning. I think it was Ar Bishop Archie Blakes. I really like him. But um, he used the, so I didn't coin the term, but female slave conditioning. So it's like, if there's this person who's been abused their whole life, you know, and then they live in a culture where it's acceptable, it's like, it's almost like grooming a person to be, to continue to be a victim of abuse, you know? And so, and a lot of times we don't realize that um, the trafficking thing happens within people's own families, you know? And when we think about pedophilia, a lot of times, if you look at the statistics, I don't have them in front of me, sorry, but um, a lot of times it ends up being someone they know, like a supposed trusted adult, like whether it's a coach or uncle or even the dad, you know, and, and women can be abusers too. So I don't want to, you know, make it about any kind of thing, but, um, but yeah, so that's, um, you know, when your own home is not a safe place as a kid and you grow up that way, it's like, you almost don't know different. And, um, and then when you live in a culture where, you know, kids should be seen, but not heard, or women should be seen and not heard, it kind of just like makes it kind of adds on to it, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. And um, I just think that it happens a lot more than people realize. Yeah. I have no idea what somebody is living through. And I'm talking about your neighbor. Um, you know, the, the other mom at the school function, you have no idea what somebody is living through at home or what they lived through as a child. And going back to the inmates, most inmates have been abused, severely abused as children and adults and have been victims of human trafficking. I mean, if we think about just prostitutes in general, um, most were forced into that life. You know what I mean? And it's like, and then we're locking them up. Oh, prostitution's illegal. Okay. But what's behind that? It's not that they woke up one day and decided, you know. Yeah. And there's just always more to the story. And um, also everyone's story is different. And so there's not, there's never one narrative to fit. You know, everybody's story is complex and different. And um, definitely the truth is stranger than fiction. And so, um, but storytelling is powerful. That's why we talk about testimonies, you know, people's testimonies. Storytelling is powerful. And so when people are empowered to tell their story, it actually helps other people too in the process. Yeah, yeah that's why with the, the movie, it's telling the story of what's going on and people can actually like live that reality. I know for some people, it's gonna be very hard to watch, you know? I encourage people to go see it with friends because that at least will ease some of the burden, burden of that. Oh my goodness. So, um, you know, with, with, with the, with the inmates and, and everything. So, um, Missouri is coming up soon and, 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 okay. um, I, I'm going to have to have you back, you know, to give me some, uh, 
give us some more pointers and tell us more about your experiences with that too, you know, that's gonna be. Well, yeah, it's like, I know a lot about it, about courts and the justice system, but at the same time, um, I'm looking forward to what I'm gonna learn because um, from Katie Souza and, um, and her team and, um, it's just, I always think of myself as always learning and I'm gonna be, you know, forever learning something. Like right now, I'm, lear I'm learning a lot right now. I don't wanna talk about it, I'm still sore from yesterday, I told you about that, but um, <laughs> but it's, um, it's humbling to learn, you know, to learn and to be teachable, but it's like, that's how we grow, you know? And the day that I stop learning the day I stopped growing and I never want to stop growing and so I just feel like God is always teaching me something new and so I'm excited to learn to build on what I've already experienced and seen um like in the jails in the psych hospitals in the courts and um so what I've already seen like the injustices in California mm. and even you know even some of them in the military and then the church abuse that i've seen personally and um and heard people's stories from because i've heard some woozies about that like yeah yeah you know so, and i too you know, i kind of want to ask about um with veterans and stuff kind of like i i know i know there's been um a lot of a lot of um situations where they've been treated unfairly with the government like the government is supposed to help them somewhat financially or with college. And I, you know, like myself, I've run into, when, when I run into like like homeless people in the park and stuff, it's at least one person that's a veteran, you know? So that was just something that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Like, oh, why are they not being taken care of? So what are your, what are your thoughts on that? Oh man, I got so many thoughts on that. Um, the one thing about it is, um, I run into a lot of veterans that don't don't use their benefits or haven't applied for them. So the main one would be like healthcare. But um, so I I personally do have VA healthcare, so I know like it's hit or miss. And like lately, it's been kind of going downhill. I mean, I don't want to speak that into existence, but. I do see some injustices with the healthcare. Um, what is, you know, federally run, as we know. Um, mm. One of the things I see that's really being pushed is medication, 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 medication. Yeah. And so I believe, also, I believe that um, I've seen the research on the psychiatric drugs. And when we talk about money, that is what the pharmaceutical companies make the most money off of. And that's a high ticket album. Oh, I got the book right here, hold on. Um, so it's like every time this book comes back out, which is the, what is it, the DSM-5. So every time it comes back out, this is the list of all the diagnoses. Right? Oh. So every time we get a new volume, there's more diagnoses. So guess what? The drugs are remarketed for the new diagnosis. So it's money. Guess what? If I tell a person that you're always going to have this illness, you're mentally ill, you have schizophrenia, okay? You're always going to be sick for the rest of your life. So we're just going to give you a cocktail of drugs. We're gonna make money off of you until you, 
you know, probably have your life shortened from these drugs, you know? And so that's a whole nother topic. Oh my God. But, uh, <laughs> but, um, but it boils down to money. So anything, but I mean, systems are good. So I'm not saying that we don't need drugs, you know, because it's like, we don't want to just go throw the baby out with the bathwater. Like, I don't want to say our, all pharmaceutical drugs are bad because I mean, if we just think about um, antibiotics, like how they go straight to the thing and kill something, it's like when we need them, it's really amazing to have it. You know, something is made with that. But um, so I'm not saying all drugs are bad. I'm just saying that when money's involved, it corrupts good things, you know? And like, you know, hospitals sounds like a good thing, but when money's involved, it corrupts good things, you know, it sounds good to like have health insurance, but when money's involved, like, especially people who live in California know that the health insurance and other insurance things are off, you know, all about money. And so, um, that's supposed to be affordable. It's not, oh, anything that's California affordable, California cares. Oh yeah. They just started. So they rose, they rose my taxes in California on my house. And they rose um, my, they doubled, so they doubled my taxes on my house. And then they, at the same time, they doubled my home insurance. And then when I'm calling the home insurance company, they're like, well, you can switch to the California CARES home insurance. And I was like, I don't think California CARES, you know? <laughs> I'm gonna pay four times as much as I'm paying now. Like, how is that? Oh my gosh, wow. And so, of course, my mortgage went up because those two things raised at the same time. But it's just, but it's, I think the thing that gives me hope is that, um, like, God is on his throne, you know? And he sees what's happening and the injustices. And, and I think um, one thing I'm learning about, but I don't know enough about to teach on it, is the courts of heaven, like appealing to the courts of heaven. And so that is a good, all the injustices that we experience here is so important to learn how to appeal to the courts of heaven, which is a much higher court, right? Yeah. And so we're talking about third heaven. And so, so if, if something is handled in the third heaven, it trickles down and covers us. You know, sometimes when something's done in the spiritual realm, it might take us a minute to see it in the natural realm, but it's still getting done, still getting handled. So. So I feel like that's the best way to handle it is just like, Lord, we need you, you know, fix this injustice for us and, you know, help me pay my mortgage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I, I love what you said um, also about the courts of heaven because uh, it happens in the spiritual first and then the natural. And yeah. when, the, when the earthly courts feel like they have the upper hand, if it goes against God's justice, we can petition our case to Jesus, who is our lawyer, and the Father is the judge. Yes. And we will literally make our case before the courts, and that that's a real case in the spiritual. And yes. when God rules on that, he sends out his justice, he sends out his angels to make things right. And he does overturn uh, court cases, and he does bring justice to those who have been oppressed. Yeah, and even when we don't see how it will work in our logical, with our eyes, we don't see how he could do that. How is he gonna show up for me, right? But but God's ways transcend our logic. And sometimes our logic can get in the way of it, but we just have to say, Lord, 
please intervene. I know you can, you know, and the other thing that I've learned lately as a Christian, I wish I had known a long time ago, is decreeing. I decree I will have victory in all my cases because I'm a child of the Most High God. And so speaking, like we're going back to voice, speaking out loud is powerful. It's so powerful. And so, so while I still have... I want to learn more about the courts of heaven, how to appeal to it. And I think it's more simple than I'm making it, but I still want to learn more about it. Um, but decrees is like every Christian has the power and authority to decree a thing and it will be done. And, um, and so when we operate in our true identity and authority, things happen, not just in our home, but in our cities, our counties, our states. So we can, um, like even go to our courthouses and pray, you know, and we can go to our government office and pray outside and anoint the ground. And, you know, we can worship outside. Um, like I live in driving distance to Sacramento, which is the state capital here in California. And, you know, we've met outside the capital and had uh, revival meetings out there and, um, and prayed over people, you know? And so it's like, we can make a difference in our presence brings his presence because we have the resurrection power in us. Right. And we have the Holy spirit. And so, so we're literally bringing the Lord, you know, if we're filled with that Holy ghost fire, we're bringing the Lord wherever we go. And so our presence brings his presence. And so it's pretty exciting. And then the fact that if two or more of us are gathered in his name, he's with us, he's in our midst. So he's literally, in this conversation with us right now and wherever we go and to me that's um that's a promise and it's powerful promise you know that's so that's so cool with the the capital like like getting like that's really getting the message out there you know and and the people showing you know the citizens showing that they want god they want justice it's also breaking ground in the spiritual realm because we're claiming territory for the Lord. We're saying this California capital belongs to the Lord. And I know people have done it like in our federal buildings too. And it's like, so wherever our foot treads, what is that verse? Wherever our foot treads belongs to the Lord. You know, we're just like claiming territory wherever we drive or fly or step. It's like this land is the Lord's. And you just say his kingdom is established here. Holy Spirit, come here, establish your kingdom here as it is in heaven, and then, like, let God's will be done here as it is in heaven. You know, we can do that with our mouth, and that's how powerful we are as Christians, you know? That's that's so awesome, Jessica. You know, thank you uh, so much for sharing, and um, you you have a lot of um, cool experience where you've been able to, like, marry, like, the pastoral with some of the political stuff going on. So like yeah. people can, can look to you as someone who's, who's been there um, yeah. in a lot of these situations. I think I told you um, when God first told me that I was a pastor, I imagined myself being like handcuffed to a, a pulpit, you know? And I was like, oh no, I love being outside. Like, Lord, don't make me stay in a building for the rest of my life. Like. <laughs> You know, don't make me preach once a week. No. Like, oh my gosh, I have to like be there and do all the events and like, oh my gosh, I could never travel. You know, I'm kind of like my life is like a life sentence. But when I started learning more about the fivefold ministry and also 
that the kingdom age that we're stepping into is different than the church age. In the Western church, didn't necessarily, like we honor the people in the past and everything, but the Western church didn't always, didn't follow the Jesus church and the Jesus fault. Because I think of um, two church examples. I think of Jesus and his disciples as the first church example. And then I also think of the Acts church, you know, Acts 2 church as the second of example. So I feel like we have two churches like modeled in the Bible. And I feel like Jesus and his friends had a lot of fun. Like he had his 12, right? His homie yeah. inner circle, you know, and and that's what we could have, you know? So I feel like that's healthy. And then he had like the 72. So I guess that would be like his church congregation. And then sometimes he preached to the masses, you know, when he fed like the 5,000 or, or more, you know, with the fishes and loaves. So sometimes he preached to the masses and healed the masses, which he probably had help from his disciples. Okay. You know, and so, so, but, um, but I like thinking about those circles, like the inner circle, the next circle out, and then the further circle, because we can have an impact all over the world. Yeah. You know, have this technology right here, like we could literally, people in India can hear us talk, or Australia. My relatives in Australia can hear us talk, but it's so, um, it's so amazing, but like, but we can have like our inner circle where they really know us in depth, you know, where we go deep in these relationships, and then we can have like a congregation of like 72-ish, right. you know, where, where we have a good relationship with them, but maybe they don't know every single thing about us, you know? And so I feel like that's healthy to have, um, and then we could preach Jesus to the masses, and they don't have to know everything about us because we don't know them that well, you know, but we could still preach Jesus to them and pray for them for healing and everything, so. Yeah. It reminds me of uh, Jesus, um, the top, his top three were like Peter, James, and John, and he yeah. took them to the mountain of transfiguration. And afterwards he was like, nope, you can't tell anyone yet. Can't, he only showed them and they weren't allowed to divulge that secret until after, you know, Jesus rose again. The other cool thing about Jesus is he wasn't, like when he left home, when he left his parents home, he traveled, right? And so like the ministry was moving around. He moved wherever his father told him to go, right? And so, um, and like when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, and he was basically commissioned for a ministry right there, and then that was a turning point, you know, where he kind of went from Jewish boy to, well, he wasn't a boy, he was older, but you know what I mean? Like, um, like kind of like, okay, you're activated for ministry, go out and do it, you know? And so I feel like when God calls us, you know, like tells us what we are, and then he commissions us to go out, it's like he just act, okay, go. And it's like literally, I feel like, so when he, when he heals us, you know, does that inner healing and delivers us, I feel like he commissions us automatically to go heal and deliver other people. It's like, I healed you yesterday, today you can go out and do the same for other people. It's like, he does, like nothing is wasted in the kingdom. So our personal experiences that have been hard, that's actually the area that God's gonna use us. So so say something really terrible, like somebody used to sell drugs, right? It sounds so terrible. But guess what? That's the area, that's the people that they're gonna be able to talk to, you know? And it's like someone coming out of prostitution. Well, they can minister to the prostitutes. You see what I'm saying? So our um, 
you know, I love that verse where it talks about our weakness is a portal to God's power. And so the things that we think are like disqualifying us are actually qualifying us. You know, like I haven't personally had um, substance abuse issues besides, you know, getting a little bit wild when I was in the military and teenagers, but, um, but not personally enough to say like, okay, I'm, I'm a recovered addict. Now I'm going to go talk to all these addicts. Like I don't really have that. But I do have where um, where I know that it's from trauma, like the way people try to feed their souls in that way. So I understand that. But a lot of times um, people who are struggling with substances want to talk to somebody who, who's had a substance. Because sometimes people think like, well, I don't, I don't think you'll understand quite, you know, what I've been through unless you had something similar, you know. And so, so that's how God uses our... Um, our experiences for others, you know, like somebody who's maybe coming out of the gang life, um, can can talk to people who who are you know who want to get out of that or who just got out. Of, you know what I mean? And so, and like, like it goes back to that root issue, like for yourself, substance abuse. It wasn't from a place of oh, you wanted to keep on, you know, doing it. It was more so you know, from trauma in the past, like that was the root issue. Like sometimes sometimes people will drink because they haven't dealt with something that happened in their childhood or, you know, neglect from their parents or, you know, different issues like that. Actually so I, comforting, like trying comforting. to, com yeah. So, I mean, and a lot of us can have other things where we might not have a substance issue, but we're a shopaholic, okay? Mm -hmm. Or maybe overeating, which is okay. So, so there are things that, or maybe um, I'm trying to comfort myself with social media, and so I'm spending way. You know, I'm addicted to Facebook. You know, so so we comfort ourselves in different ways. But just because we see somebody who comforts themselves in a different way and we think they're dirty because they stuck a needle in their arm, right? No, and if that highlights somebody's flaw or like their need that's when you're praying, you need to pray for that person and then say, Lord, how do you want me to help this person? Or are, are they somebody else's assignment? Like, what am I supposed to do? Because that's the other thing is not everybody is our assignment. Like, you know, there, I mean, I live in California. There are so many homeless people. I would love to go rescue all the homeless people, right? But I can only do what's my assignment. So mm -hmm. ask the Lord every day, what is my assignment today? Right. And he's going to hide, you know, and I don't help every homeless person. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because I don't want to interfere what God is doing with that person. Mm -hmm. So I only do and say what God wants me to do because I'm not getting to get it in the way. Because like I said, everybody's story is different and not everyone's our assignment. And so it's really important. That's where we rely on discernment mm -hmm. and the leading of the Holy Spirit. I call it um, chasing the butterfly. <laughs> butterfly that's the holy spirit yeah. and the holy spirit lead me today what are we doing today and you just it's so fun you know so i think it's i was reading today a butterfly um like can be a symbol of life actually you know yeah but i think um kind of that 
is it called like false humility where we're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I better give him money. Like, no, don't do anything out of obligation. If you're starting to feel some kind of weird way, it's not from the Lord because he doesn't do that. See, so if you don't know if you're supposed to help somebody or give someone money or buy them food, just ask, take a minute, take a pause and say, Lord, do you want me to help this person? If so, what do you want me to do? And he'll tell you like buy a hamburger or get a glass of water, ask him if they're thirsty and he'll literally give you like exactly what to do or he'll say, don't talk to them, keep it moving. You know what I mean? And so it just, yeah. it's, it's like we only see in part and so we need to rely on the discernment from the Lord to, you know, because if you think about how many minutes and hours are in the day, we have to focus on what God tells us to focus on. Like he tells me to focus on ridiculous things. Like lately what he's been telling me is motorcycle first. I was like, really God, like motorcycle first? Like, how is that a thing? Like, how is that whatever? But if you tell me we're focusing on the motorcycle first today, that's what I'm gonna do, you know? So it's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, you know it's, it's got me thinking about, you know, with Jesus and a lot of, I don't know, scholars, well, we'll call them scholars, people that criticize trying to criticize Jesus is like I don't I don't understand why they're doing it but um, there's the story where the pool of Bethesda um, Jesus had to he, he he went to heal the person who was you know lame for it was, I think it was about 40 years or so and you, you know at the end of the story he does get healed but scholars scholars will write oh why did Jesus step over the other people that needed no it's not like that Jesus had his assignment. And the story doesn't tell us if other people saw the testimony and they went up to Jesus for healing. Mm -hmm. So that was just something that I, I read in um, like theology school a long time ago, you know? So it's like, we'll just knock what? that out of, knock it out of here. I forget the verse that says that, um, like if all the stories of Jesus were written, there wouldn't be a book that can contain it. So we have to understand when we look at the Bible, it's just a snippet. Yeah. there's so much more that was never written it can be contained okay yes. it, yeah it's not like the bible has every every conversation that jesus had strictly oh. ministry it's like no it doesn't it doesn't say all the miracles well it's just like i journal and then i have some things on facebook but guess what my facebook highlights or my youtube channel and my journal don't tell my whole story you know so Jesus's whole story is not recorded. He did much in, in, and even like the great, amazing things that Jesus did. I love that it says like, don't be impressed by this. Be impressed that your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. And that you're, don't be impressed by this. You're gonna do greater things than I even did. So the yeah, fact yeah, that yeah. says that we, his disciples are gonna do greater things than he did in the Bible. That just blows my faith out of the water. Cause I'm like, Greater things than that, you know. That's right. We're both going for it. We are. We're we're in position. That's and I right. love mention the pool of Bethesda because that's actually what I'm naming my um, 301C after. Oh. Yeah. So I'm um, starting that, but um, Bethesda actually means loving kindness. Wow. Mm. So um, so yeah. So I'm working on putting. What is it? Did I say 501c3? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that, that I'm planting here in California. So, um, awesome. so I'm ready to start, and my personal goal is to do 58, which would be one in each county. 
Wow. So, they have goals. And the other thing about it is God dreams big. So when we dream big with the Lord, it's like our human, when we're like, have that heavenly perspective, it's like there's the sky, literally the sky is the limit, right? Mm. So I'm just starting with three churches, but I'm, I'm gonna, you know, get this Golden State covered in some sense. That's right. You gotta break through those limits. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, Jessica, uh, well, you know, thank you so much. This has been like a, such a great interview. I'm glad that you could share with people like what real Christianity looks like, you know, from that as a pastor and as someone who is constantly learning, we're all constantly learning. Yes. God, we don't have all the answers. We just, we look to him. And there's greats. Um, there's a lot of greats that really inspire me. One that we know and love is Krista Alicia, who's our mentor and how I met you, Aaron. And then also someone else who inspires me a lot is Todd White. The fact that he takes the ministry outside, you know, his, um, what is his ministry called? It's called um, Lifestyle Christianity. Christianity. And really it's like, it's just about, if you ever get the chance to get trained by him, definitely go. He does um, power and love conferences and he has like a university where he trains people. But it's basically saying uh, uh, like university. Not, yeah, but it's saying it's not called that. Okay. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> it's saying that the church is outside the walls. Okay, yeah. outside. You know, and everywhere you go is belongs to the Lord. And so you can minister to people at the store. So like when you go to the grocery store, give yourself extra time. When you're running errands to the post office, give yourself extra time because God is going to highlight somebody there that you're supposed to. So yeah, always give yourself extra time when you're running errands because it's not just about you. It's about people meeting Jesus through you. So so Todd White, someone I look up to. There's so many good people. I've heard only good things about the Jenny Weaver program, the core group. Yeah. Good things about it. And I've only met cool people from it. So there's something fiery going on there. And um, so yeah, so get under like one of these leaders that's led by love, like Jennifer Martin, for instance, with her dark first delivery school. Yeah, if, oh my God. Um, we're near you, definitely go to that. So it's like these ministries that are led by love and um, having like the father's heart behind it. Those are the ones you have to be. And that's, it's a mark of love. And so if you see somebody hitting somebody behind the, you know, trying to cast demons out, hitting someone in the head, okay. I'm sorry, just my opinion is, doesn't look like it's less, less <laughs> knocking somebody in the noggin, you know, but so. so you so didn't that, even talk to them yet and you're already trying to cast out the demon. Yeah. Like, well, no, at least they're a person, talk to the person. The other thing is the therapist that is hard for me is when I see like somebody like announce in like this mega church. So you were molested by your stepdad and it's like with this like foghorn, you know, and we're just like, highlighting that this girl was this 13 year old girl was molested by herself okay now this whole mega church knows and now it's broadcast on tv to the public thanks a lot like that's embarrassing and so like as a coming from therapist background i'm like no way you know so (laughs) god does not want to embarrass people or humiliate him doesn't want to shame and guilt that's from the enemy and so and doesn't want to condemn people either. And so he um, convicts, he doesn't condemn. 
And so I think it's important when you're looking at these different ministries is like, are they led by love? Because that is a mark because God is love. So if they're not led by love, just turn it off and find a new ministry to donate to. It's like, are, are they treating them as people that God loves or are they treating them like customers? That's the thing, because a lot of times with the um, demonic influence, it's like people act out of character and um, or people tr- struggling with, you know, marks of mental illness or even um, sub- substance abuse. So they're acting out of character, you know, but they're still a person and their person is still there with them, even if they're stealing or acting they did this terrible thing or they you know did this unforgivable unforgivable thing and it's like well there's still a human being in there you know that god loves and he created and so just kind of looking beyond that so to bring them into holiness and righteousness and call that forth from them that's that's spark yeah. of light and that you're not going to protect yourself and other people around you because you got to do that right mm-hmm. but that's the wisdom and discernment from god comes in too so, but it's not all the same, same, we don't- It's not the love, same cookie cutter solution. Cannot treat people like robots, isn't, it cannot be cookie cutter. It's like, Lord, what do we do in this situation? Help now. And you can pray like that and he'll come through for you, so. Oh, Jessica, this was really great. Um, you know, before we, before we close out with prayer, um, could, you know, Tell us, like, where, where can we find you? Where can we find your ministry? Okay, so the best place to find me right now is on YouTube. So it's Jessica Clara Aguilar, MSW, or comma, MSW on YouTube. And then I believe it's going to be in the description. And then um, also, if you're looking for an abundant life coach, and I use um, the Holy Ghost during the sessions, for sure, I'm not trying to do that without him. And so, so, um, so you can email me, and so that would be, gosh, that's kind of a long email. So oh yeah, we'll, we'll have it in the description as well. Okay. Yeah, so definitely email me for that. So the Jessica dot Aguilar six zero zero one at Gmail mm. for that, and then um, also Twitter is. Twitter. I post things on Twitter sometimes. And um, so that would be a way to contact me. And um, so, and also if you're in the California area um, and you and you think we're supposed to team up for ministry, um, I'm looking for like divine kingdom connections in California. Um, so, cause it's all about unity. Yeah. Well, um, like finding out what other people are doing with other ministries, like, anytime um i just heard from one of my pastor friends in my hometown in ventura county and he said that the whole a bunch of churches are meeting on the fourth of july at a park and i was like ah like anything with unity is just like get in there um so that kind of divides uh denominational lines and things like that Oh, that's great! So you got some cool Fourth of July plans coming up. We're gonna we're gonna see about getting tickets to the Sound of Freedom movie. And if you can't even afford it, they have free tickets online. Angel Studios has a pay it forward program. 
Oh wow! So you will, I might as well put that link in the description too. We'll put her. We'll put them. We'll put Katie. Who's up? We're gonna. We're gonna put everybody in the. In the in There's the going on. It's hard to just think of one, but definitely if um if people want to go deeper um the Krista Alicia mentoring program is a good one. But I've also yeah. heard great things about um Katie Sousa has a mentoring program, which oh. I'm not. And then Jenny Weaver has a mentoring. So there's other good mentoring programs. So I think the best way to do that is pray about it and say, Lord, do you want me to be in a mentoring program? And the thing about that is you go deeper. Yeah. Go deeper. Deeper than what you would get at um, a church. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right, Pastor Jessica, will you pray us out? Oh, yes. Yes. All right. Father God, we just thank you for this time together, Lord, and it's been powerful. And I just pray that you bless all the hear all the hearers today, everyone who hears and sees this, Lord, that you bless their families. Lord, I just pray that they would know your good character and your deep, deep love for them, that you would just saturate them in your truth and love, Lord, and break every deception and every lie off this audience in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you that the joy of the Lord is our strength, Lord. And I just pray that you mature, you mature us, Lord, and, and give us, um, help us to bear fruit, good fruit, the fruits of the spirit in every single season, Lord. And help us to be ready to walk into this new season with a new wineskin, Lord. The old things have passed away and you want us to jump on this new Thing that you're doing, Lord. Help us to know our unique missions, our unique callings, Lord, for our families and for our communities, Lord, and help us to be doers, not, not do-nothingers. Not, <laughs> Lord, we thank you that there is no bench warmers or wallflowers in the kingdom of God, and I just pray that you activate each one of us, Lord, that if there's people who need to be mentored or discipled, that you either in person or online, that you would send them to the right places, that you would move them to the right cities or towns, that you would move them to the right careers, jobs, or ministries, Lord, that you would put them in the right churches, or if they're called to start their own, that they would have the courage to start their own church or ministry, whatever you want them to do, Lord, because the callings are unique, Lord, because we're so different. Lord, and I just bless all these people to be creative with you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, thank you for blessing us. And thank you for all the wonderful advice as we are going to reform the mountain of the church. We are the church. We're the new church. The church has left the building. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we are going to do crazy incredible things greater than jesus because he said it he empowered us to do it great exploits for the lord in jesus name that's what we do that's how we do it <laughs> so, <laughs> and it requires oh. with house too it requires going out that front door so yeah yeah right out there <laughs> uh well thank you for tuning in everyone to the faith corner podcast and to the stream and we'll see you again next time. Bye-bye.